At 4ZZZ we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging of the Turbul and Jagera people. We acknowledge that their sovereignty over this land was never ceded. And we stand in solidarity with them. Good morning, comrades, and welcome to another episode of Workers' Power here on 4 Z. Um, I'm Bill. I'm Calypso. And I'm Jackson. And, uh, yes... Yeah, so uh, oh, thank you to the Z-Lines team for bringing us all up to date with the news and weather. Um, and, uh, well, welcome to another episode, and uh, um, thank you, for uh, listeners, for tuning in. We've, we've got a, a good show lined up. We've got to, so the first hour, we're going to be... We've got a few uh, uh, stories to discuss, and in our second hour, we're going to be jo- joined by our union secretary, comrades. Hell yeah! Ooh, Josh so Collinan's yeah, coming on yeah, the Josh show. Josh Cullinan's coming on to t- tell us all about uh, um, Reading's uh, workers down in uh, Victoria uh, now um, that um, are taking industrial action. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we'll find all all about that um, um, from from Josh in our second hour. But uh, to start the show off and uh, to get the ball rolling, we're uh, we're going to um, head into First Nations workers' action. Now, I think it was... Calypso, you're up. Yes. You've got a story yes. for us. Uh, this story is by Russell Marks. I got it from The Monthly. Uh, and he is a lawyer himself, and the story is about lawyers. So some of it is in first person, just for some context on who he is. On June 23 this year, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service announced a freeze on accepting new clients to its criminal law practice. For at least three months, no Indigenous person charged with a crime in Victoria would get any advice or representation from their dedicated service. Anyone who came knocking would be referred to other services. After three months, the VALS board, made up of nine Aboriginal leaders, would review the situation and lift the freeze if caseloads return to safe levels. Deciding to freeze was agonising, said the organisation's acting director of legal services. We should believe it. Nobody, not Chief Executive Narita Waite, nor any of the board members, nor any of the lawyers working at VALS, would have felt comfortable with the decision to turn away people looking for representation. The first Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander legal services were created by community leaders and activists as a direct response to the lack of adequate representation afforded to people who, collectively, were and remain among the most policed and under-resourced in Australia. Waite expected that Victorian Aboriginal communities would be angry. She was angry too, but she said the organisation had little choice. This decision had been made due to a lack of funding to expand the Aboriginal legal service, which has left us unable to keep up with demand. The VALS media release explained, The current workloads represent an OH&S risk and we cannot risk the welfare of our staff. There had arisen a perfect storm. Increased demand driven by the Andrews Labor government's law and order agenda. It has built the nation's biggest police force by far had merged with the backlords caused by COVID-19 and a lack of workforce. In the context of the perennial pitch for additional public funds, the tactic of the service freeze functions, or is supposed to, like a kind of strike. Prospective clients bounce from VLS to be absorbed by other services, mostly the state's legal aid commission, Victoria Legal Aid, which subsequently come under additional pressure to join the chorus calling for more funding for VLS. A recent piece in the Saturday paper makes the case on behalf of Waite and her management team. The real situation at VALS is more complicated, however, and involves multiple staff resignations in the context of an ongoing enterprise bargaining dispute. But the basics are sound. Indigenous legal services 
do need more money. They never have enough resources to adequately represent the scores of clients and prospective clients charged with everything from public transport ticketing infringements to murder, while police and prison budgets are continually inflated. The fact is, the workloads at Indigenous legal services always represent an OHS risk, even when they have a full contingent of lawyers. I worked as a criminal defence lawyer for VALS between uh, 2012 and 2014, and for its Northern Territory equivalent, the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, between mid-2017 and mid-2019. Public service concepts such as office hours, work-life balance, regular breaks, weekends and public holidays are rendered mostly meaningless by the relentless flow of charges, bail applications, guilty pleas and contested hearings that stream in. When VALS executives in 2013, who have long since left, proposed to further reduce the lawyers' working conditions during negotiations for a long overdue new EBA, were confronted with an uncomfortable choice, industrial action, concession or quiet resignation. All chose the latter two options, consigning future staff to even poorer conditions than those we'd worked under, and nobody wanted to speak publicly about internal concerns for fear of damaging the organisation as a whole. Mm. So uh, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service is turning away uh, people with any new charges. They are under-resourced. The, the lawyers working for them have reduced working conditions so we've got the, the we've got the budget of the police is going up but the budget of the aboriginal legal service is going down um so so what's going to happen there there's going to be more people locked up in jail isn't there from first nations communities yeah That's without exactly any what's resources mm. to to fight for them and their rights in court um because there's no funding yeah, I, I, look, look, I, I've spent time um, at magistrate courts, and and you and you really you can notice the difference between the haves and the haves nots, and 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 the the sentences um, are, are, are dealt with accordingly. If you if you if you got a high priced lawyer, you probably walk away with you know like a, you know a slap on the wrist. But if you are in there on, on on your own, you know you haven't you haven't got access to to any support or or, or anything. You're going to get laughed out of there. I, I've seen it time and time again. You're going to get laughed at, and you're going to get dealt with very, very severely by 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 the judge. They just don't like dealing with with the, with the people, and so you need support. You know, you really do in the in the judicial system. You can't you can't go in there on your own. You know, like you know, I won't even go in there in there on my own for a driving offence. No way. Absolutely. You know, because you're going to get stitched up, you well, know. so We already know that uh, First Nations people are over-policed in this country. That's right. You so know. they need their own resources de dedicated to them. They sure do. And it's another one of those things where it's, like, ridiculously explicit that the so-called justice system uh, does nothing but lock up poor people and... First Nations people and uh, let the rich do whatever the hell they want. You're right. That's right. All right. Hey, look, um, fantastic, fantastic for finding that. That's um, you know, it's good to, it's good to look. I consider that person a worker, even though they're probably now moved into the. You know, they they, they wanted to stay. What the feeling that I'm getting from that yeah. story? They wanted to keep working in in in, in that, but you know, they're yeah, it's really valuable. They're passionate, work. but. And it's such valuable work. And I like that they pointed out multiple times in the article how um, uh, First Nations people are over-policed and uh, given ridiculous charges and that the, the, the incoming amount of, of clients that, they are, that, that they're getting because of the over-policing is, is too many for their underfunded budget. Yeah, they said it poses an OH&S... OH um, well, the health and safety risk to the amount of work they're getting in that office, and Too that right. is yeah. insane. And the police budget goes up, yeah, the, but yeah, their the, budget yeah, doesn't. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, hey, look. Um, uh, thank you for that story. Great story. And um, yeah, we'll we'll keep our eye on on that. And uh, 
Um, fantastic. Okay, well, we'll move on to uh, some more First Nations uh, workers' action. And um, this one... Um this one I found on the NITV, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So the Northern Territory Beach Court hearing over Santos Project. So Tiwi Islander Dennis Tipakalipa is challenging the National Offshore Gas Regulator's approval of Santos's environmental plans to drill in the Barossa gas fields 265 kilometres northwest of Darwin. I'll say that one more time. 265 kilometres northwest of Darwin, so middle of the ocean. The Manyapa elder says he was not adequately consulted over the plan for eight gas wells about 150 kilometres north of his home at Pidjimara on Melville Island. They think they can just go ahead with drilling our country without even talking to us, he said. It feels like a big backstab. Mr. Tipikalipa is ex- Tipikalipa. Tipikalipa is expected to give cultural evidence on Monday. Um, so that was yesterday, potentially in the form of a song and dance to the federal court, a judicial review of the National Offshore Petroleum Safety and Environment Management Authority decision, which is the NOPSEMA. In a groundbreaking case, traditional custodians say a lack of consultation on major gas development makes the company's approval void. The first day of the six-day hearing will be held at Pitjamira. What do you reckon? That's about right. Pitjamira? Pitjamira. Yeah. Which is the northwestern end of Melville Island and the community closest to the Santos drill site. We spend a lot more time out in the water... Hunting, fishing, Mr. Tipakalipa said. We only ever take what we can eat in a day, no more. We respect our homelands, our sea, country, and it is, and it looks after us. After the on-country meeting, the court will relocate to Darwin and Melbourne for the remainder of the proceedings. Mr. Tipakalipa's lawyer's Environmental Defender's Office will argue Santos failed to provide him and his community with the opportunity to have a say about the drilling that could impact their culture and way of life. A Green Senator, Dorinda Cox, who has travelled to the Tiwis for the hearing, said native titles does not protect sea country and the case could establish what adequate consultation is for offshore gas projects. The United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People clearly state that free, prior and informed consent is a human right, she said. Free means with without coercion prior means giving communities enough time to consider their options informed means having access to all of the relevant information before making a decision northern territory traditional owners have had a victory in their quest to halt a major oil and gas project off the northern territory coast they say threatens pristine sea country and marine life Santos, Australia's second largest independent gas producer, has previously said it would vigorously defend its Barossa project plan and it had all necessary approvals following consultation with stakeholders. It purchased the project in 2020 from US oil and gas giant Coca-Cola. Kanoko, Kanoko Phillips, which activists have previously alleged sent just two emails and made one answered, unanswered phone call to the Tiwi Land Council during the consultation period for a drilling plan. plan. The regulator accepted the project's environmental plan up and approved the drilling activities in March, saying it was satisfied the project had completed with the regulators. I think good on them for standing up, but I think the one thing that I wanted to, to highlight the most out, out of um, th- this story is that, you know, First Nations people have got to go through such remigrol just just to, to defend their land. Yeah. You know, just, to, well, their, their sea, which is their, their country, you know, so... Yeah, and it's like it's tied to their way of life and the things they need to survive. That's, that's right, and... Um, 
you know so yeah that's what i wanted to talk about and uh, well one we've got you know workers you know standing up fighting back you know like in whatever way they can but it, it also highlights you know what you've really really got to go to you know like um you, you know you've got you, they need the full full backing of their environmental defenders office and mm. um you, you, you know it's not something that you can go in in there on their own so uh, thank god they've got some solidarity being shown and uh um but uh yeah it's it's a tough tough road for them to defend their their country yeah they probably have to go through like just as much work as the as santos does the difference is santos has billions of dollars to do it with that's right they they'll they'll employ a a a team of people to do they they would have a law firm right with the partner working on it and they'd have so they've got the partner working on it and they'd have like four four at least four lawyers hmm. plus their staff and then and then they've got their barristers you know like yeah so and with all their the billions of dollars all they could manage was two emails and one unanswered phone calls in terms of consultation yeah, yeah. it's almost like they're avoiding something yeah yep sure. and they get away with it yeah that's because right because it takes so much money and so much energy to fight back and that's why it's very important that, that uh, we bring you these stories here on Workers' Power and uh, um, highlight uh, the the oppression that um, and and destruction that um, y- y- these large corporations are doing and um, to our country, you know, mm. like uh, you know, solidarity with with them because you know, even though you know this this, this is uh, a very important part of our world, you know, like mm. and um, yeah. So good on them. We'll we'll, we'll 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 keep an eye out for that, and uh, hopefully we'll be we'll get an update. Hopefully they'll get a victory, and we'll be able to report on that. Now I I, I I've just seen the heading of the next next uh, title. Yeah, and so I, I noticed how I rushed right through at the end yeah. because the title of this I'll, I'll put a language warning on, but the title of this story is "All Screws Are Bastards." Yes, and the reason I titled it that is because we finally have uh, confirmation from the screws themselves that that is in fact the case. Because New South Wales prison officers and members of the Public Service Service Association of New South Wales took 24-hour strike action on the 12th of August in support of Officer A, the poor soul who has been charged with murder after shooting First Nations man Dwayne Johnston in the back three times while he attempted to escape custody on a hospital escort. Dwayne Johnston was handcuffed at the time. According to the Public Service Association Bulletin, shooting an unarmed, handcuffed man three times in the back as he runs away is what they are all trained to do as per policy, procedures and the Crimes Act. After shooting an unarmed, unarmed, handcuffed man three times in the back as he runs away, Officer A is currently on workers' compensation and is on 80% of the wages, which is a significant loss in income. Oh. In order to ensure that no more officers are forced to shoot an unarmed, handcuffed man three times in the back as he runs away, the union has directed that no members conduct a hospital escort on certain classes of inmate without a restraining belt and ankle handcuffs. Another section of the bulletin states, Members need to be aware that this is not up for a vote. This is a direction from the state executive to take 24-hour industrial action in support of Officer A. And as if in any as if in direct response to any claims of bad apples, the Public Service Association post announcing the strike action is accompanied by an image of large text stating, We are all Officer A. Which is a very um very clear reminder that this is not just one bad apple in the uh in the prison of the prison officers who has murdered a First Nations man in a absolutely horrific and unnecessary way. This is what they are trained to do. This is a systemic issue. All prison officers are Officer officer A. They are all people who will shoot an unarmed handcuffed man three times in the back as he runs away. And now they're taking industrial action to defend their right to murder yeah, they are taking illegal industrial action yes, in yeah. defence of their right to m- shoot an unarmed, handcuffed I man three times in the back this as he is runs so, away. So fucking disgusting. 
Yes, it, it sure is, and uh, yeah, t- uh, yeah t- shooting shooting anyone in the back, but someone handcuffed. Yeah, for God's sakes! As he runs away, yeah, yeah, he w- it was no threat to to, to life, but uh, gets shot in the back. Um, yes, it's uh, it's disgusting. I saw this post, and I'm like, it pissed me off. I feel sick. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it, it's, uh, it's one of the unfortunate things uh, with some uh, some unions is that they th- this is this is heartbreaking for me with the United Workers Union is that it's also a screws union, um, just like the Public Service Association of New South Wales. Um, it's because they these aren't workers; they're people who have sold their souls to enforce the violence against us that keeps us controlled Um, and I do not accept them as part of the working class no they're not they're they're not workers no they they murder the working class that's right while they're running away handcuffed okay we, we we better move on before we upset ourselves too much and then you know stories like this are very very upsetting so um, now, now we'll, we'll we'll rip into some workers' action. And uh, Jackson, you've got one he- here for us from uh, the the uni. Uh, the, so Sydney Uni, is it? Yeah, you yeah. said as it yeah, casually known at uh, standstill for uh, historic fourth strike of the year. Yeah, so this is an update from the ongoing USAID strike, which we've reported on a few times. It's very exciting. Uh, and this is by Ellie Stevenson, Zara Zadro, Kameli Agana, and Thomas Sargent from Honeysuit. I think that's how Honeysuit is pronounced. Um, staff and students gathered to block all major entrances to the University of Sydney's Camperdown and Conservatorium campuses from, from 7am last Wednesday. The picket lines formed for the fourth time this year as the NTEU continues its enterprise bargaining campaign. Speaking on the picket line at Eastern Avenue, USID history lecturer David Brophy describe the role of the strike in shutting down the university. To quote, We want this campus to be a ghost town, he said. We want, it to ma- we want to make it really difficult for people to come on campus. We want them to hear from not just one of us, but ideally many of us, as to why they shouldn't come on campus. End quote. The NTEU's demand includes a pay rise above inflation, an end to force redundancies and casualization, protection of the 40-40-20 research model, gender affirmation leave, and enforcement targets for First Nations employment. Uh, We want a university that actually cares about staff overworking, that looks after students properly, NTEU USID branch president Nick Rima said. According to Rima, in the days afternoon speeches since the last two rounds of strikes, the union has won workload control mechanisms for professional staff for the first time and softened management's attack on the teaching research nexus and on academic workload regulation. Today's strikes are an effort to speed things up in negotiations with management. The strike was well attended by staff and students with dozens of strikers already at Eastern Avenue just after 7am. The energy was bolstered by honks of support from passing cars along City Road and Carillon Avenue. Rima praised the turnout, noting record registrations for the picket line and announcing that our branch now has more members than we have had for absolutely years, thanks to ongoing mobilisation and strike action. Limited numbers of strike breakers attempted to enter campus. Some were successfully turned away, as strikers explained the purpose of the strike and encouraged them to stand in solidarity with staff. Others attempted, sometimes succeeding, to push through with aggression. At Ross Street Gate, strike breakers attempted to push through, climb pointed fences and approach via car before being redirected by police. Honey also received reports of police following strike breakers, following strikers who continued to speak with strike breakers after they crossed the picket line. At least one student was told that if they touched a strike breaker, they would be charged with assault. When the striker responded that they were only speaking with a strike breaker, they were threatened with a harassment charge. Strikers consolidated at the City Road picket for chance and speeches at 2pm. Rima commenced the session applauding the turnout. To quote, the campaign is not in vain. We've seen movement from those people up there since our last strike. 
Management are telling us that they're going to come at us with a serious decasualization deal, end quote. However, a serious deal will require the instatement of 880 permanent teaching and research jobs to make up for unpaid work done by casual staff at UCID, according to Rima. Its $1.04 billion surplus in 2021 suggests the university has the reserves to fund these roles. Rima emphasized the issue of creating a university space that is safe for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff, students, and members of the community, citing recent threats to the National Centre for Indigenous Excellence in Redfern. Uh, to quote, the NTEU won't let one more centimetre of Aboriginal land be robbed, he said. Nikki Wedgwood, a long-term member of the NTEU's UCID branch and lecturer in health sciences at the university, described the impact of increasing workload on her personal and professional life. Wedgwood has developed an immunodeficiency disorder as a result of the stress and described how overwork has harmed her family relationships. My youngest daughter tells me she doesn't bother coming to me for help or advice because I'm never available. I'm always too busy working, she said. I will never forgive the management for that. Finally, Vince Cawley, Assistant Secretary of the NTU's New South Wales Division, lamented by lamented attacks by the New South Wales Government on the freedom to take industrial action, including plans including attempts to block plan industrial action industrial railway action in July. He also mentioned the Swinburne University of Technology standing down staff members taking industrial action with no pay last week. Strike action is a fundamental human right and we need to win it back, he said. Members from the RTBU and MUA also attended picket lines in solidarity with the NTU and university staff, with the MUA hosting a barbecue to feed hungry strikers at City Road. What you, are, what you guys are doing has really inspired me. I think we need more of that on the railway. More action, said an RTBU member. At the Victoria Park picket, NTU Casuals representative Denny Cotton spoke about the importance of pickets as a negotiation strategy. It enforces the democratically made decision by union members and ensures that we're not undercut by a small few who want to benefit from what we're fighting for without taking the sacrifice themselves, Cotton said. Strikers' actions weren't limited to forming pickets at campus entrances. Throughout the day, contingents of students interrupted Zoom classes as well, forcing some to shut down. Tutors communicated to affected students that their attendance grades would remain unimpacted. One student told Honey that he spent the first day on a roaming digital picket, disrupting at least 10 classes. A second day of strike action is planned for UCID's open day next week on August 27th. Uh, that's this week. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, get it. Get, yep, that's it. Uh, it's highly casualised universities now. Yeah, I mean, everything's highly casualised Well, it now. is, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, re- it's one of the big uh, fields of struggle that we really need to mm. uh, work on. Like, everywhere is just fighting against this intense casualization of the entire workforce because it is basically just the boss's way to take away all our rights and all our ability to actually have um the the, uh, just a whole lot of our rights you know no sick leave no like actual regular work um times you uh, you never know when you're going to be working um uh, a whole bunch of other things you lose as well and and, and that coupled with you know the, the 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 line in the story that tells it all it's 1.04 billion dollar yeah. surplus in 2021 suggests the university has the rever- reserves to fund these roles it made over a billion dollars in a crisis mm. yeah like now it wants to keep, you know it wants to tighten thing. the screws on its workers uh you know like yeah the these uh the, 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 these vice chancellors they, they're no they're no longer part of the education class they're not definitely not part of the working class they're part of the capitalist class yeah that was uh, this is an edited down version of the story and i recommend people go to honey slate to check out the full thing um but that was actually something they mentioned in another part of it was that a thing they're fighting against is the outside hiring practices for management instead of people who actually understand what it's like to teach at the university yeah for shame
And welcome back to uh, Workers Power here on 4 Triple Z, where you're with Bill. Calypso. And Jackson. Now, um, we're, we're joined uh, here on Workers Power by a very, very special guest, the the uh, the, the secretary of, of our union, which uh, the union that, that I'm a member of and, and Calypso's a member of, Jackson's a member of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. We have Josh Cullinan on the line. Hello, Josh. G'day, team. Thanks for having me. Hey, what's up? All right, so all right, so we, we've got you on because, um, you know, we, we're, we're workers' power and we like to uh, re- report on workers standing up and fighting back. And we heard a little bit about uh, um, Reddings that's happening down there. So first off, because we've got no Reddings up here in Mianjin, could you tell us what Reddings is? Yeah, sure. So so Reddings is a, uh, a multi-site, six or seven stores, uh, bookshops, uh, based uh, in and around uh, the, the city of Nam in, in Melbourne um, and has stores really across the inner city and inner, very inner suburbs of Melbourne. It uh, sells books, uh, it trades on a sort of a progressive image. It's seen as probably one of the um, largest uh, purportedly progressive bookshops in, in Victoria. Progressive? <laughs> Yeah, they trade on that. They trade on that. That's part of their um, part of their approach to uh, building their customer base. Is to um, and look, they've been based in and around the um, the more progressive parts of of town. Um, they have taken a bit of a different steer with that over the last couple of years, opening up a new store in the palatial uh, emporium in the uh, in the expensive part of the CBD. Uh, but look, yeah, that's that's where they've been trading on their purportedly progressiveness um, for for many years, and built a, a a large and profitable business on that basis. So they call themselves progressive, but how are they treating their workers? Oh, the workers have been organising at readings ever since Rafferty launched. It's been over five years that workers have been running a campaign to simply get an enterprise agreement to get some basic conditions locked in and, and locked away. Uh, so this is an employer that um, that has steadfastly refused to uh, to give up any of that uh, power to their workers, to, for them to have an agreement and for them to uh, be able to negotiate satisfactory conditions. Uh, this employer, the conditions that workers work under uh, are certainly not the worst that we come across in retail, but this kind of behaviour of basically union busting and trying to put uh, workers under pressure just because they want to get organised into a union is very disappointing um, and something we've had to fight against. Y- yes, uh, and and so um, how, how, how did they go about, um, or, or go back to the starter campaign, how, how did they eventually uh, drag uh, the, the bosses to the bargaining table? Yes, yeah, so after several years of, of campaigning and getting small wins along the way, last year workers decided that they would force the issue and get a majority support determination from the Fair Work Commission. Um, the employer just refused at every stage. In the end, we uh, convinced the Fair Work Commission to conduct a ballot um, that Rafu um, organised and paid for by a fantastic uh, independent third-party ballot agent who um, conducted a ballot um, that found that a majority of workers, only by one worker, but a majority of workers wanted to have an agreement. Um, and so that allowed us to then uh, force the company to the bargaining table. The company still took six months delayed bargaining before they would actually meet um, six months before they came to the bargaining table. And when they did, lo and behold, a whole range of store managers and other uh, managers and bosses uh, were at the bargaining table representing themselves, uh, which presented its own challenges. But members uh, didn't didn't move away from their claims. They continued to fight for their claims and over a period of three months were able to negotiate what we believed at the time was a satisfactory agreement. And, uh, yes, I, I remember reporting on that uh, here on Workers' Power at the time, how, the, you know, the, the, you know the, the, the boss had agreed with the workers and... Uh, but then there was a bit of a, as we say up here uh, in Queensland, someone chucked a bit of a Yui, mate. 
That's that's exactly that's exactly what happened. You know, the, at multiple meetings, the management um, specifically agreed that the wage rates they proposed back in April would be increased by the 2022 uh, Fair Work Commission outcome. Of course, once that came through as 4.6%, they must have gotten cold feet because what they did several weeks ago uh, was uh, renege and refuse to apply that 4.6% increase to the base rates. It was grossly disappointing for members who had compromised a long way in their campaign for a fair agreement. Um, but the boss has been steadfast since, refusing to increase those wages um, and uh, by the 4.6%. And, in fact, going to workers and the media and the community and anyone who asks, saying that he'd always intended, the company had always intended, to freeze wages for a year and a half or two years. Um, so it was very, very disappointing, and members then had to switch and start a public and community and industrial campaign to get the, the agreement that they deserve. Just wasting everybody's time. It was. It was. You know, at the same time as this happened only last week or the week before, it comes out that they spent millions and millions of dollars on a new swanky office <laughs> in the west part of Melbourne um, for oh. their managers. Some of our members do need safe, uh, safe, better and safer work environment, but this swanky new office um, takes it to a whole new level and explains a bit more to us about why this company has stepped away from um, their promise. All right, so um, so with 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 the boss uh, re- re- refusing to bargain at the moment, uh, how how are workers organising in and around that? Well, well, the boss, we've had meetings with the boss. Um, so with with the employer, um, we've been trying to negotiate a better agreement. Um, and what uh, we received on Friday afternoon was a new offer. What happened is two weeks ago, members launched their public campaign uh, for uh, the agreement to be honoured. Um, and we've had a couple of rallies at the store, fantastically supported uh, by the community. Um, and on Friday night, we had another 100 workers and community members turn up and support um, our action. Workers also launched an industrial campaign and have uh, sought and obtained a protected action ballot order. Um, that protected action ballot order uh, sees workers vote this morning. Voting started for the protected action. Um, to get access to that action um, should workers need it. Our members are, are fairly resolute, you know, in what's going on with this. They're coming together tomorrow night to consider where to from here um, and to consider the new offer from the employer. Um, it may be that there's, um, there's able to, we're able to find a pathway to agreement, but otherwise we've, we've scheduled in the 10th of September, which is part of the Melbourne Writers' Festival. Uh, we've scheduled in that date as a day of solidarity and, solidarity and action for workers. Um, it'll be after the protected action ballot order has been delivered um, so workers will have access to forms of industrial action and then the community will also be coming out to support um, these workers. So uh, yes, yeah, so there's a lot going on in this space. Workers have launched a, a, a fantastic campaign, a public and industrial campaign, but tomorrow night they'll be meeting to consider the new offer of the employer um, and we'll be seeing um, how much further apart we are. Right on. Well, well, solidarity with those workers down there. Now, um, of course, we want to ask if anyone out there wants to find out a little bit more about this campaign, how can they do that? Uh, well, the best way that folks can um, get involved in Rafferty campaigns is by looking at our Facebook page. Uh, we do keep that regularly updated for those that are on social media. So Rafferty is the tag. So facebook.com forward slash Rafferty. Of course, our website as well. For any worker that works in retail and fast food, there's only one fighting union for retail and fast food Hell workers. Yeah. Than meat workers. Obviously, meat workers should be joining the meat union. Um, but everyone else who works in retail and fast food, um, they can get involved by going to our website, rafu.org.au, um, or checking out our, our Instagram or our Facebook um, and reaching out to us. Uh, always keen to involve more workers in what we do. All right, well... well. Um, so, um, one thing I want to ask is there are some very obvious parallels here between the Reading's campaign and the Better Red Than Dead campaign. Um, you know, you've got a bookstore, supposedly progressive, which is reneging on its already agreed deal. Um, so are there any lessons that you learned during the Better Red Than Dead campaign that are being helpful in this current one? 
Yeah, a great question. I mean, in a practical sense, one of the concerns in both campaigns was the decision by the bosses, um, by the employer, to renege on what had been agreed. Um, so that's been a, a little bit of a learning curve um, about these smaller businesses and the way they sometimes behave. But there is one critical difference um, about these workplaces and everywhere else in retail. The the action of Better Red, at Better Red Than Dead was the first industrial action by non-meat workers in retail uh, in 50 years. Oh. And they got an agreement, which is by far the best retail agreement in the, in the country. Reading's workers, by simply taking this community action and they're preparing for their industrial action, have by far, um, next to Better Red Than Dead, a little bit different to Better Red Than Dead, um, but have achieved an agreement far better than any of those other agreements in, in legacy sites um, oh, and any of those nice. major retailers um, that make billions of dollars off the back of our labour. So what, what we've seen in both of these campaigns is that industrial action works. Now, for unionists, we've known for hundreds of years hmm. that the only way that workers get the agreement they deserve is through industrial action, through their direct collective action. And what we're seeing now finally in retail is that experience coming to life. Uh, workers at Better Red Than Dead today are in secure jobs, are in non-casual jobs because they took industrial action. They have six months parental leave because they took industrial action. They are the best paid bookshop workers in the country because they took industrial action. Um, these sorts of conditions, 20 days paid domestic violence leave, a range of other, the abolition of junior rates after three months work, all of these sorts of conditions have only come about because they took direct action and collective action. And what we know is that as we repeat that, including at readings, we get agreements that workers deserve. So um, that's been the most fantastic um, outcome of all of these campaigns and something that we want to spread and to multiply across retail and fast food in Australia. Right on. Hell yeah. So do you think we could see similar results um, in other sectors of retail? Well, absolutely. We know that wherever workers organise and organise into militant fighting unions and are prepared to take collective action in pursuit of their claims, they can achieve the world. They have more power than the might of a thousand armies. They, they, they can reshape our workplaces and our society in a way which benefits workers, which gets uh, living wages into everyone's hands, including the unemployed, um, that can save our climate and that can tackle all of the issues that we face as a society. So, so we know that and what we want to do is we want to give more and more workers an experience of that collective action and the power that they hold uh, within, within their grasp. And, um, you know, we're already exploring. To Thursday night this week, we've got a special all-Apple worker. So Apple, Apple is in bargaining mm. process at the moment. So we're inviting all Apple workers to come to a special, um, a special meeting on Thursday night to uh, find out about industrial action, how it works, you know, wh how people take it, what processes do we have to go through, why it wins. Um, so we're trying to share more and more of this story and it just takes workers getting organised. Um, whether it be in Big W that's bargaining at the moment or Euro Garages, which is the old Woolworths petrol site, they're bargaining at the moment. Wherever workers organise together, they can achieve these things and we're giving them the space and the means to get organised and to fight back. Too right. Now, and, and, and I just one of the expressions that we use a lot here on uh, workers' power, and you kind of touched on it a little bit there, is a, 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 a rising tide lifts all ships. And, uh, yeah, that's that, that's a perfect way to describe it, how, that how you know, we, we, we want to lift not just the retail sector but the whole community. Absolutely. If, if you start getting paid more uh, to, to work at a bookstore, then uh, over at the supermarket next door, they, they're going to see what happens and then they're going to fight for more as well. Is it, now, is there anything that we haven't covered that, that you'd like to bring up, Josh? No, no, look, we just, we love to be involved. It's fantastic that, that all of you are, are running this awesome radio show and bringing worker power to the audience in, in and around southeast Queensland. Yeah, more power to the work you do, and um, hopefully we can share more and more of these stories um, over the coming months. Workers, yeah. Bosses, yeah. Workers, yeah. Workers, yeah. Workers, yeah.
And welcome back to uh, Workers' Power here on 4 Z, where you're with Bill. And Jackson. And, uh, yeah, we just heard uh, from uh, Rage Against the Machine and their track, Take uh, the Power Back. And, uh, yeah, followed on from our great interview with uh, uh, Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, Josh Cullinan. All right, uh, we'll, we'll move on to some other uh, workers' action. Um, and uh, we, we've got a story. The next one up, is it the AMWU one, Jackson? Yeah, so in this story, it turns out it's not just uh, independent bookstores that will renege on their agreed deals uh, because the Fair Work Commission has decided that McCain must meet their obligations under the Enterprise Agreement, as if that was something that was up for debate. Local delegates and members have been striving to ensure that minimum crew levels are delivered. Meanwhile, McCain's have been trying to get more out, more, more, bleh, more work out of less staff. After a long battle in the commission, McCain's have been told what we all, always knew, that the conditions in the EBA must be met. McCain's should ha- immediately hire the extra staff we have been demanding. Union organiser Angela McCarthy said it was disappointing that members have to battle for months on the shop floor and in the commission just to get through what had already been agreed through EBA negotiations. She can catch she congratulated the members and shop stewards on the crucial win and in particular highlighted highlighted the unity of the potato packing crew. The workers united will never be defeated. Yeah, I, I've, I found this one and I was like, oh, so they're just not doing what they agreed to in the EVA. Um, really is the bosses feel like they can do whatever they want and if we don't fight back they will do whatever they want even if they are like are legally obligated to in the enterprise business agreement that they agreed to i mean well they're the employer right so why <laughs> should they have to do anything by like the law yeah can't they just get away with whatever apparently if they uh, can get away with what whatever then why wouldn't they hmm. just do that instead of doing what they agreed to do and they do unless we fight back the, the it goes to show that an eba really isn't enough when it comes to getting rights in the workplace you need to have the actual ability to enforce that eba not just uh, like by having it but by having power on the work floor and by fighting back with strike action industrial action um and the the because the, the government won't enforce it on its own you have to be the one to enforce your rights your That's own rights right. you gotta have your potato packing crew and you gotta have your backs of everyone else in your crew and mm. you gotta team up you sure do hey i'm just looking up we just got a bit of feedback um oh. From Leave Us Alone. Now, Leave Us Alone is trying to, um, I, I, I don't know, they're trying to um, advertise a podcast here. So I'm <laughs> okay. not going to mention the podcast because <laughs> it's uh, 4 Z. I'm not going to encourage people or, or me to go listen to well, a podcast. If, if you want if you want your podcast to be advertised on 4 Z, you could consider subscribing and getting like one Ooh, of those sponsorship. artist sponsorship yeah. things. Part of the package you get is that we advertise your bands or, yeah. or your business or whatever on air so you're, you're not going to get any free advertising out of us you've got to subscribe for that yeah, get, so, the, get so the subscriber package think, and yeah. you get a like special sting I, and everything I, I, though I don't think this is their podcast oh, I think yeah. this is oh, just a podcast okay, that they like but I'm not like. going to talk about that podcast <laughs> but anyhow um, uh, Leave Us Alone is, is a bit of a critic of Rage Against the Machine oh. right and wants us to go look at a podcast but in return um, uh, uh, you know like well they're talking about working for the machine how they signed to Epic, owned by Sony. Yeah, you know, that's fair, but I counter that with, uh, look up Tom Morello and in the industrial workers of the world. And that's all I need to say about that. <laughs> Damn. Um, so, uh, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to our next uh, story of uh, workers standing up and fighting back. Uh, we've got um, a WA public servants uh, pro- protest uh, for fair pay. I think this one, uh, even though it's a politician, I think this one could could also be uh, read uh, again later on. We could be talking about this later on in the show. Uh, Calypso, are you are you good to go? Hell yeah! Seven thousand public workers rallied outside the Western Australian Parliament House on August seventeen to demand a five percent pay rise from the Labor government. 
It is the culmination of six weeks of industrial action by an alliance of some of WA's largest unions, the Public Sector Alliance, which formed last year in a bid to strengthen unions' bargaining power against Mark McGowan's wages policy. The PSA includes unions covering workers across dozens of industries, including healthcare, prisons, manufacturing and tourism. The government initially offered a 2.5% wage a rise a year with the choice of a $1,000 sign-on bonus or an extra 0.25% annually for two years. The PSA has forced the government to raise the offer to 3% annual rise for two years and a $2,500 one-off payment. However, as the rally speakers noted, 7% inflation means that this is effectively a pay cut because because 3% is less than 7%. It sure is. When I was at school, that's why they taught me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 7 minus 3 equals 4. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a 4% decrease. Anyway, uh, Unions WA Secretary Owen Whittle was among those who condemns the government for refusing to give public sector workers a pay rise, saying workers deserve more. To quote, we can't pay the bills with thanks or a pat on the back. We deserve a real pay rise, Whittle said. We are living in the wealthiest state in the country. We are seeing budget surplus after budget surplus. There is money for everything except for the workers who keep our state running and our community safe. Julie Marie Hay, a nurse working at Royal Perth Hospital, described how the hospital system is barely staying afloat. Currently, in the hospitals, we are struggling to survive just because we do not have staff. If they want to be able to keep us motivated so we have the resources to be there for you, then they need to respect us, Hay said. Adding a 5% rise does not cover the rising cost of living. What we're asking for with this is the bare bloody minimum. Industrial Relations Minister Bill Johnston, who was invited to speak, said, We are listening to you and your unions. We understand that our offer is not what you want, but it's what we believe we can afford. (laughs) (laughs) He was booed by rally-goers who chanted for a 5% annual pay rise. Well, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> shut up, dickhead. Yeah, I think I think uh, my na- Bill is going to get a mention in about another ten oh minutes. Or so. Oh my god! Oh my god! So inflation's at seven percent. We know this, right? You know what I mean. So, so even a five percent pay rise, which is apparently too much to ask for, uh, means that they will still have less money than before because as as inflation's going up 7%, their pay, if their pay were to only go up 5%, which which is still apparently a lot to ask for, they're still going to find themselves with less money, um, less less being able to afford things like rent, food, sending their kids to school, transport, whatever. So, so they... Everyone's getting poorer and these, these people are fighting to just to just get a little bit less poorer than the government wants to make them like even just even the bare minimum i would say the bare minimum would be a seven percent increase because that's in that's that's in line with inflation so that would be keeping things the same right instead of making them worse but 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 we can't have that can we we can't have anything even stay the same let alone improve and 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 look, look workers were calling for five percent. They're they're already five percent. They're already compromising. That's not even seven. Yeah, that and workers are already compromising. They're already compromising. But, but, but the the bosses here, which is in, in this case, it's a, it's the it's the 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 government. I reckon we got to start demanding nine percent, so yeah. that they'll give us seven, so that at the very least we can maintain what we have and not 
have our conditions deteriorate. Well, if we're talking about percentages, we can read out the next story yeah, real good, quick from the United segue. Workers Union. Uh, so, when workers stand together in a union, they win big. Food distribution business PFD in Brisbane tried to offer workers a measly 2.5% <laughs> and cuts to conditions. By standing together, PFD Brisbane won a 13%, an immediate rise to Whoa! $30 an hour pay rise and other improved conditions. 13! Yeah. After giving notice for industrial action and standing in solidarity with drives and casuals, members have won a 5.2% rate pay rise in the years in year two and three of the enterprise agreement um enterprise agreement applies to the new site site rates and conditions for labor hire union inductions for all new employees increased to freezer allowance and improved classification progression um but yeah a 13 percent pay rise is um that's fantastic yeah that that is a really great win there uh, it's a local win at B- PFD. Yeah, they, they, they're a, a food distributor. Mm. And uh, that's a cash cow, that company. Mm. Um, yeah, that, times would have been probably a little bit tough for them during the pandemic, but nah, coming out of that... Oh, they're that, still absolutely yeah, turning a profit. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, that's a cash cow business, that and one. That, they, that they freezer just allowance as part yeah. of the things that they, they won, that's, that's important. I don't know if you've ever worked in a freezer, but goddamn... Yeah, you know, like when you you open your freezer, oh, you were, and and it's and it's cold for a minute. Imagine you were, you were inside a giant freezer, lifting things, and everything you touch is got a thin layer of ice on it, and it, it turns your fingers blue, even if you wear gloves. Yeah, it really doesn't matter how many clothes you're wearing when you're inside a freezer. You get cold no matter what, and, uh, and like, you have to leave constantly just to warm up again. God, I hate the, the freezer. The, retail, the retailer um, cold allowance is a buck twenty-five a day. Jeez. Right, and I, you earn every single cent of it. Um, just going in and out, and you, you, you're in there and you're working... Um, you you, you got to take that those jackets are too hot and um, yeah and then then all of a sudden you stop working and you're freezing cold you know so it's, yeah it's it's a tough gig working working in uh, cold cold storage areas it uh, it really is gloves you know essential and things like that but uh, um, yeah I hope they're getting more than a buck twenty five a day mm. yeah you know like uh, and and you used to have to chase them for it as well but. Uh, Yes, that's a that's a whole other story. Okay, well, um, yeah, yeah, that, and well done to those workers. Thirteen percent, you know, I've seen them on the picket line, that's and a damn um, good you know, number. good on them. And uh, uh, yeah, and then five point two percent in years two, two and three is pretty good too. You know, like mm. they're getting they're getting better results in, in years two and three than what the workers that we were talking about in the previous over in WA um, in, in the public sector. Um, they can't even get that for their first year, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that shows you what, um, you know, industrial action does. So, God on those workers for standing up and fighting back. Some of them, you know, because they're out on the road, I hope they're listening in, you know. All right, so um, we're going to, uh, as you can tell, uh, we're probably going over time again once again. Stay, <laughs> stay around because uh, uh, Brisbane, uh, Brisbane Lines is coming up to uh, bring you the professional news. But before that, we're going to quickly m- mention a, uh, an event which is Record of Struggle, 135 Years of the Labour Movement History. It's on the 3rd of September um, at 1.30. So there's limited places. RSVP, the BLHA Secretary, Craig Buckley, by 31st of August. At Craig at A-M-I-E-U, Queen, QLD.ASN.AU. Um, in partnership with the Friar Library, the BLHA invites you to an afternoon of discovery and discussion amongst the records of Queensland's industrial and political workers' mo- movement. Presented by BLHA President and Special Collections Librarian, Dr Jeff Ricketts, and, and regular on Workers' Power. All right, so, uh, or, and you want more details, head, head on to uh, uh, Brisbane Labor History Association's Facebook page. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be literally up, so it's always fantastic, so this is going to be fantastic yeah, as the, well. Yeah, the cemetery tour was fantastic. <coughs> 
Okay, and lastly, but not leastly, but also quickly, our scallywag of the week. Now, hearing hearing this uh, industrial relations minister saying we are come out with complete what what I interpret as complete and utter garbage, we are listening to you. And your unions. <laughs> Rubbish. We understand that our offer is not what you want, but it's what we believe we can afford. <laughs> Rubbish. Rubbish. And That's he, BS. And What's he, his name again? Uh, Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson. You could use Dill Johnson. Or, you, know, <laughs> um, you know, he's a bit of a dill there. But, uh, Bill Johnson. More like Bill... Just shut up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Bill Johnson, the Industrial Relations Minister from uh, WA, is our scallywag of the week. That's it. We've gone over time. Once again, stick around for Brisbane Lines. Um, and we will see you next Tuesday. A bit see of a lang- bit of a language Tuesday. warning here, but uh, we'll give it a spin here on Workers Power on 4 Triple Z.